so much for bringing us here today. We thank you for um, just showing up. Um, God, you are always here. God, you're everywhere, God. God, I pray that we are ready for you. God, that we open our hearts, open our minds to receive from you, not from me, but from you speaking through me, from, from your word, that your Holy Spirit teaches us today, that we, we, that we receive uh, what you want us to learn today. We also pray for Tanner that he gets better fast and that we will see him soon here. Um, but again, God, we give this time to you. We want to focus on you and, and just see what you have for us today. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I didn't have water for service, so I have like three cups now. <laughs> so, uh, coming to, to 1 Corinthians. So, with the, with the junior hires, I've been teaching um, actually the same the same concept as Tanner's been starting with on, on Sundays here. Uh, if you guys have been with us for a while, uh, Tanner recently started going through the book of Acts. And then as we reach uh, chronologically, we're going to uh, plug in the epistles that were written into the timeline through the book of Acts. And then the cool thing with that is um, I've been doing that already for like three and a half years with the junior hires. So we've already caught up, or we've already gotten to in timeline with where 1 Corinthians plugs in. So uh, for, our, for our junior hires, we got to, we're at chapter 11 now. But before we even get to that, the whole, the whole problem that the Corinthian church is going through uh, is mentioned in the first chapter. And it's good to see where it all begins because uh, quite often us as a church, as, as individuals, are doing the same exact problems as the people that Paul is writing to. So instead of jumping in where the junior hires are, we're going to start in the beginning, see what their problem is, and then go from there. And we'll see that once we get to it in, in the passage. So starting off in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and uh, Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who, have, who are sanctified in the church of Christ, or in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So right here in this, these first passages, we see uh, Paul is the writer, obviously, and the the people that are receiving this letter is the Corinthian church. But Paul says also that it's not just the Corinthian church that this letter is to. It's everybody, all saints, all believers who call on the name of Jesus Christ. And that that people group transcends location and time. So as we read through this chapter, and as you go off on your own time to read the rest of the book, uh, these things that Paul are saying applies to us today, okay? Not just people back then, not just people in that church, but us today. So he starts off in verse four. It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So he starts off this whole entire book basically, basically giving the Corinthian church a, a thumbs up and saying, good job, you have a, a faith in Jesus Christ and you are eager to grow in, in your faith. Good job. And then he says in verse 9, we just read it, God is faithful. So God keeps his promises. God is who he says he is. And by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. So we're called into a fellowship. You know, when I was teaching this, um, I think we started Corinthians with the junior hires like probably maybe three months ago or so, maybe more. When we first covered this, uh, I asked them what the word fellowship means and they all had different ideas. And that what really helped them <clears throat> understand was that uh, uh, tying in the, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. If you guys know, the first one's called The Fellowship of the Ring. And if you guys have seen the movies, you know, you're not going to get into the whole storyline. But um, if you guys know what it's about, there's a, a group of people that they all have, not uh, people because, you know, characters. <laughs> they all have um, the same purpose, mission, goal to, to accomplish during like the 10 movie series, whatever they're doing now. Um, and uh, to accomplish the same goal uh, to achieve the same purpose. And that's the idea of a fellowship that God wants us to, to understand as a body of Christ, that we Christians are a fellowship. We should be a fellowship where we're all linked together through one, one, uh, the same purpose, the same goal, um, and, and working together to achieve that goal. And that is what we need to be as, as children of God. And as Paul writes his whole entire book, it is because... The Corinthian church is not doing that. They are not being a fellowship. They're not working together. They don't have the same mind. They don't have the same goals, same purpose, same heart. And, it's ca- and it causes so many problems. And we're going to see how and why that has happened. Verse 10, it says, Now I plead with you, brethren, my, uh, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there is no division among you, that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Uh, uh, verse 11, for this, is, for this has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by, the, by those of the house, of Chloe's house, that there are contentions among you. So, if you guys don't know the, the back story to this book, um, Paul was going on different missionary journeys. He's gone, he goes on three missionary journeys, his fourth one, He's a prisoner, and he shares the gospel as he's being taken around as a prisoner. Um, but in the first missionary journey, he's already planted a, a church in Corinth. Um, he's already established that. He's already uh, set up uh, leaders of the church, and then he's moved on to a different city to do the same thing elsewhere. Well, on his second missionary journey, he hears that these new Christians in Corinth, are, are they have problems. And he, he some way, somehow gets... Um, gets the, the memo that they have issues. So he's writing this letter to address the problems that are, are being, um, that are taking place there. And like I said before, their problem is, uh, well, he's, he's telling them they need to be speaking the same way, have the same mind, so that there is no divisions. And what's going on in their church is inside the Corinthian church, there's, there's Christians that have a different a way of thinking, a different mind, a different goal, a different purpose. They're not being that fellowship that, that they need to be. And they're, they're divided inside their church. 
Paul says there in verse 12, it says, now I say this to each of you, or sorry, now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. So there's, there's four groups that Paul is uh, hearing about. There's, there's a group of people that are following Paul, following Cephas, which uh, some people believe is Peter, because Peter's other name is, or Peter's, yeah, other name is Cephas. Some are following Apollos. Apollos is another missionary back during that time. And then some are following Christ. The first three, they're, they're placing a person as their leader in their faith. Okay? And not to say that Paul, Peter, or Apollos are, are bad people or trying to deceive them, but the problem is they're still people. And we as humanity have a sin nature and we are imperfect no matter how close to God we are. We are still imperfect. We're still sinners. And as we live this Christian life, our faith needs, or the leader of our faith needs to be Christ, not some person. And it doesn't matter, you know, how great the, the speaker is. You know, there's so many different good um, pastors, teachers, commentators, and not to, not to say that they're bad or wrong, but we cannot put a person as the leader of our faith. Jesus Christ needs to be the leader of our faith. And if, if they're, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if those different teachers, pastors, commentators, whatever, if they're listening to Christ, then what they're telling you is, is good to, to read up on. But we should never take a, a person and make them our leader. Okay, Christ needs to be our leader. Um, the fourth group mentioned there, it says that they are of Christ. And even though they're right in making Christ their leader, um, they're, they have like a, a, a prideful problem where they're going around saying that they're, they're right and you're wrong and they're being boastful about it. And you can be right, but with the wrong attitude, and then that makes you wrong. And we cannot be like that. God wants us to show love all the time. As we share the gospel, to show love as you share the gospel. You know, uh, the person you might be sharing with, they could be completely wrong, you're completely right, but with the wrong attitude, you've now become the wrong person. And that's what this group has become. So we have four groups within the church, inside this Corinthian church, that are dividing themselves because they've made, um, well, three of them made people their leaders. The last group is being prideful, so they're, they're wrong in their own way. But there's four groups in this church. And you know, not to say that Paul, Peter, or Apollos are teaching wrong things, but people receive God's word in different ways because people let sin into their, their understanding. Uh, Paul gets into more of that as we, as we continue on. I don't want to get ahead of myself again. But let's see here in verse 15. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Besides, I did not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made no, of no effect. So Paul is saying that... Um, is, is Christ divided? Does God teach 
different stuff, different beliefs in the Word of God. No, God has one goal, one purpose that He, he gives us in His Word. And, and that main purpose is the cross of Christ. And if Paul or any other teacher has any other focus or agenda, then we're missing the main point. And the main point is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And Paul doesn't want to be guilty of that. That's why Paul said that I, that's why I'm not going around baptizing a lot of people because he doesn't want people to get that wrong idea of what Paul is trying to get across. His main point is Jesus Christ and him crucified. But, you know, you could be teaching all the right things, but people, they understand, they hear things differently depending on uh, themselves. And we'll get more on that as we continue. Verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So he is saying here that he is going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. You know, Many people think that they're they're wise. They have a lot of wisdom in in things of the world. You know, you can go to you know college for you know four four years, eight years, ten years, whatever, and you could be smart in like earthly things, you know, math, science, whatever, and you could be really smart in that area. But that stuff doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Okay, in a wisdom of this world. God says it's foolishness to him because what matters really is what, what is eternal. And our, our relationship with God is what lasts forever. Paul says in verse 20, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made the foolishness of this world... Or, sorry. Has God not made the foolish... Uh, the wisdom of this world, sorry... So he's asking the, the people, the readers, where is the wise? Where is the wise people? Because as he's hearing these, these stories about the Corinthian church, nobody is wise. Okay? And there's a different kind of wisdom between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom because um, as Paul is hearing what they are doing, they're, they're failing left and right because of what they're, they're letting into their thinking. Okay, the, the problem with this church is, and uh, what a lot of us tend to do, is that we let sinful thinking, sinful opinions, sinful ideas come into our minds and come into our belief system. And you think, like, you know, I, you know, I don't do that. I'm a Christian. I, I, let, I let God's word, you know, teach me. But the problem is, you know, we all have a sin nature. We're, we're born that way. That, that's been... The humanity's problem since uh, Adam and Eve first sinned. That every person's born a sinner. We are sinners. We have a sin nature always. Even as Christians, uh, we're still sinners. Uh, we're just saved sinners. And God doesn't take that sin nature away until we get to heaven and God glorifies our bodies. So we always have this this problem of our sin nature always there to uh, to affect us if we let it. And what many people do is they, they try to understand what God wants from us, understand God's word with their own, their own logic, their own wisdom. And if you don't let God in, if you don't let God intervene, 
then all of your good ideas, uh, your opinions, um, your good thinking is now foolishness because it's, it's being sourced by sin. And if we let sinful thinking interpret God's word, now we have a, a twisted interpretation of God's word. And so many Christians do that, you know, for, for you know, so many years in the past. That's how we have all these different groupings from, uh, from the early church. Because there's so many different people that they let sinful thinking, sinful opinions, ideas interpret God's word. And then you get all these different ideas of what God wants. And I'm not going to list off all the different uh, uh, Christian-based religions because there's tons out there. But... It's all, it all stems from allowing sin to interpret God's word. And when you let that happen, then it affects the way you think, the way you believe, the way you act. And it changes who you should be as a Christian. If you guys were with us uh, about a month and a half ago, I got to teach on Wednesday night here. And one of the things that we talked about was um, the signs of, uh, of the rapture soon to come. And one of the big signs that, that we're going to see, and we're seeing actually in our time right now, is that, that Christians believe sin to be okay. And you, they, they allow sin to take place in the church, and, and people accept it. There's a, there's a certain group, I'm not going to say who they are. If you guys are curious, we can talk later. But there's a certain uh, group that claim to be Christians that they say that because God loves you, God doesn't want you to feel sad or depressed. So if your sin convicts you, then it's not really sin and you can keep sinning because it's no longer sin. And then they allow sin to take place in the church inside the Christian uh, body. of, uh, And they, they make it okay because they, they use their sinful thinking, their sinful ideas to interpret God's word. And now in, in a lot of churches, you have people okay with sin. They come in the church, they hear God's word, and they leave no different because they believe their sin's okay. And, you know, quite often a lot of us are like that to some extent because we don't like being wrong. Most of us don't. I don't like being told I'm wrong. Um, it's, it's a pride issue. I think we all have a little bit of that. Um, I think nobody likes, like, like, hey, you're wrong. No one likes that, right? But God tells us quite often, he says what God wants us to do, what he doesn't want us to do. And, there's many people out there that they read those things and they say, well, I don't want to change. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. So I'm going to find some group that agrees with me. And then now that group is right. And so many people do that because they allow sin to interpret God's word. And then when you let sin interpret God's word, you can believe whatever you want. You can cut out scripture. You can change scripture. You can change very important fundamentals of god's word because you let it happen because you're letting sin uh, interpret god's word and then then it changes your thinking changes your belief changes how you live we cannot let that happen so paul is saying in verse 20 where's the wise as he's looking at well not looking at because he's in a different city but as he's thinking on these people he's like none of you are wise in the Lord, because you're all failing in this area. You are all letting sin into your thinking in some way, shape, and form. 
as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's, there's uh, Paul, Peter, Apollos. You know, those are all good, godly men. But how people interpret what they're saying can be different than what they're actually saying. Because, you know, you can be hearing, you can be reading Paul's letter, but if you're letting sin uh, interpret God's word, you can be reading into the, the word of God and get a different message because you're letting sin read God's word. We can't let that happen. And like, there's so many different um, popular uh, pastors, teachers, commentators that I mentioned, but well, I didn't say names, but they're out there. And we need to um, listen to them in a way that we don't we don't take what they're saying as as uh, defend like how do I say this? <laughs> it is God's word that we need to uh, to gather. I don't want to get ahead of myself because we'll get to what I'm trying to say. You know, it's hard teaching two services in a row because you don't want to get jump ahead of yourself. Anyways. <laughs> Verse 21. For since the wisdom of God, or sorry, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews requested a sign and the Greeks seeked after wisdom, but we preached Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks God or Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than men so it starts off verse 21 we just read it, it says the world through wisdom did not know God so the world's wisdom is is based on a sinful thinking, a sinful um, ideas. And when you base your, your wisdom on sin, your wisdom is now foolish. And God is saying, or you know, God through Paul is saying he'd rather have someone that is foolish of the world because now uh, they're usable, they're moldable. Uh, verse 22, God says he even, even gave the Jews the sign that they wanted. The Jews wanted a Messiah. God gave them a, a Messiah. The Greeks wanted wisdom. You know, God gave them wisdom through uh, Jesus Christ and him teaching. But because both of those groups at that time, they were letting sin in to their thinking, they rejected Christ and they rejected his teachings. And, you know, we, we look at these people and we're like, well, how, you know, how can they do that? They actually had Jesus in their lifetime. How can they reject him so easily? But then you think about us today, like we do the same kind of stuff. Maybe not the same scale, but so many of us, you know, we have our own agendas. We have our own opinions and ideas. And when we let our own sinful agendas interpret God's word, we get a different faith that we follow after. You know, we fill, we fill our minds with our own ideas on what's right and wrong. And the more that we fill up with our own ideas, we're decreasing the space that God has in our minds. 
God says he'd rather have foolish people, foolishness of the world. He'd rather have weak people of the world because they're more usable for God. Verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So he says, I don't call I don't call the wise of the world. I don't call the mighty of the world. I don't call the noble of the world because they're puffed up. They're filled with their own, their own selves. They don't have space for God. What God wants is humility. Verse 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame to the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things of the mighty and the base things of the world to put to shame... Uh, to despise, sorry, verse 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are, that no flesh should glory in the presence in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that is, in, that is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So God needs humble people that are moldable. And when you think about clay, uh, you, can't, you can't make a vessel if a vessel is already made. Okay? You can make something if it's moldable clay. God wants us to be moldable. God wants us to humble ourselves from being something so he can make us into something. You know, what, what is perfect for this is Paul's, Paul's uh, his salvation story. If you guys know, already know how Paul became a Christian, he was, um, he was already persecuting Christians. His, his name before was Saul. And he's going to Damascus, or the, the road to Damascus, to get permission to persecute more Christians. And his, his thinking... Uh, sin-sourced thinking was that his way he can help God was by persecuting Christians, by putting them in jail, by killing them. And in his twisted, sinful thinking, he was helping God. And he was very wrong. So on his way to get permission to persecute more Christians, God literally knocked him on the ground. God literally humbled him and then God literally blinded him to show him how blind he was to the reality of Christ. You know, Paul was the exact person that he's talking to here in this book. That Paul, claiming to be a child of God, he was letting sinful thinking depict his life and, and tell him what to think, what to believe, and then his life flowed from that thinking. And God told him, no, you are wrong. I'm going to humble you because you will not humble yourself. And I'm going to blind you to show you how blind you really are. And that's, that's impactful for, for us to understand that we can fill our own minds with our own ideas, but the reality is we're, we're filling up ourselves with ourselves and leaving no space for God. 
and we are blind to what God really wants from us, to what God really wants us to live like, to be like. You know, I keep telling the junior hires the, the one thing that separates us from God is sin. And so often we Christians so easily let sin in our minds. And, and not just like, you know, committing sin or, or watching sinful things, but also, like we've been talking about, letting sin be, uh, uh, change the way we think. You know, sin is the one thing that separates us from God. And the, the best picture I can think for myself is sin is like a brick. And the more you sin, the more bricks you're placing between you and God. And sin undealt with, you're building a wall between you and God. And if you don't deal with that sin, that wall gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you can't see God. And you get all these different religions now that they're, they're not letting God teach them. They're letting sin teach them. And you get so many different religions, and, and not just like the ones that are uh, pagan religions, but, but the ones that are, that are Bible-based, that are so off the wall because they let sin teach them and not the Word of God because they've blocked themselves off from God. And we cannot let that happen to us. You know, Paul is very serious. He, he, he sees the problem at the source. And the source is sin. The source, is, the source of our problems are always sin. He tells us in the beginning part of, of uh, chapter 2, uh, we're going to not read the whole chapter, but the first few verses. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did you or, did not, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the wisdom and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul is telling us that what we need, or what, what he does when he teaches, is he lets the Holy Spirit demonstrate himself to the people through his teaching. He lets the power of God be the, the, the power behind his words. Okay? He doesn't let his own ideas come out in his, word, in, his, in his writings. Everything that Paul writes is Holy Spirit-driven, is Holy Spirit-influenced. And he says, as I, as I preach to you these things, he says, you should also receive them in the same way. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Now, even Paul says that. You know, Paul is a great man of God, but Paul is saying, don't listen to me, listen to the Holy Spirit. Because okay, what happens is, um, well, like I said before, you know, we all have that sin nature inside of us. Okay? won't go away until we get to heaven and God glorifies our bodies. So we constantly have our sin nature in our lives. Okay? And as Christians, if you don't know, when you receive Jesus Christ in your heart, uh, I tell the kids you get a package deal because you, you get lots of stuff. But one of those many things is you also get the Holy Spirit in your life too. 
And the Holy Spirit works on your life every single day of your life to bring you closer and closer to Christ, um, to purify you more and more. And so you got the Holy Spirit and your sin nature both inside you. And they constantly battle each other because sin wants to take a hold of your life. The Holy Spirit wants your life. And it's a constant battle. But it is an easy battle because the side that gets the most love, attention, focus always wins. So for those people that put that wall of sin up, they have made sin the more strong thing in their life. So when spiritual warfare comes, sin always wins. But if you make the Holy Spirit the stronger thing in your life, what you give uh, your love, your focus, your attention to, now when, when spiritual warfare comes, the Holy Spirit always wins. And when you make the Holy Spirit your leader in your life, then you know what to do because you're letting God direct you. You're being obedient to God at that point. God wants you to confess of your sins, to commit your, to, uh, um, uh, to ask him to wash away your sins because that's what, like I said before, sin separates us from God. So if you're letting the Holy Spirit lead and direct you, then you're also being obedient to the Holy Spirit. You're being obedient to God and you're allowing God to wash away your sins. And that's what Paul has been getting at. He already said it before in previous verses that the whole entire purpose of us being out there as Christians is to not get in arguments and debates and, and whatever, but to share the cross of Christ. And if we are letting sin affect our thinking, now instead of sharing the gospel, we are fighting against each other on who's right and who's wrong. And we're, we're wasting our time here on this earth by fighting against each other because of the way we think and not doing our real goal of bringing others to Christ. And that's all sourced because we individually have a problem of sin, that we let sin take hold of our minds instead of the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine if every single Christian on the face of the earth threw out their own ideas, opinions, agendas, and let the Holy Spirit take our full thought process, then every single Christian would be on the same track. We'd all be in that fellowship that God wants us to be in. And we wouldn't be in this position we are now today where there's so many different people groups, even you know, you know, in, in the church worldwide, with people believing different things and we're so focused on who's right and who's wrong because we're letting it happen. We need to let the Holy Spirit demonstrate himself in our lives. And we can be so much more effective for God's mission if we don't get in the way of ourselves. Like I said before, um, you know, we already have a hard enough time with like, like committing like the... Um, exterior sins and trying to stop that but we oftentimes forget about letting worldly thinking in our minds you know there's so many tv shows out there that we tend to watch that it's sin is everywhere and we get we get numb to sin after a while and we begin to think that sin is okay because everyone does it and and people in the world say certain sins are okay and when you see it so often then 
we start thinking that that sin's okay because we see it so often. But we can't let the world interpret God's word. We need to let the Holy Spirit teach us. You know, like I said, you know, how, how much greater could this, this goal, this, this fellowship of Christ be if we're all on the same page? And I, you know, I, I was thinking about the thought of, like I said before, if every single Christian in the whole entire world let the Holy Spirit teach us and not let sin teach us, that every single person would be doing that, that same purpose, same goal, working together to accomplish that goal, how many people can we bring to Christ if we're, if we're like that? And we can get out of our own ways, out of our own way, to help God, well, to be part of what God's doing. God doesn't need us, but God wants us to be in his plan. That's, you know, God's, that's, God's so neat because if he wanted to, he could just, you know, pop down from the clouds and be like, hey guys, I'm real, um, died for you, believe me. But he chooses to use us in his master plan. And so many of us, we, we mess that up because of our own selves. And, and it all comes back to the main, main focus of Jesus Christ and what he came to earth doing. Okay? We have that sin problem. We have... That, that never-ending, well, until we get to heaven, problem of sin always trying to attack us, separate us from God. And God saw that. That's why he came to the earth because he is the only solution to that problem of sin. He came to die for us. And that's what Paul is saying, that this is the most important focus, not fighting, arguing, figuring out who's right and wrong. The main focus is Jesus Christ, him crucified, and not letting other stuff get in the way of what we're supposed to be doing here. You think about that movie, Lord of the Rings. If all of them were, were just constantly fighting each other on what to do with that ring, it would never have gotten to the end movie. <laughs> and if we get so busy fighting each other, who's right and who's wrong, then we're not doing what our main goal is as Christians. You know, our main focus as people is have a relationship with God. Once that happens to help others uh, have that relationship with God. We have one goal, one purpose, one mission. And we're all united in Christ. You know, we all have, you know, every believer, we're saved by Jesus Christ. We're saved by Him crucified. We're all, we're all linked to Jesus by Jesus. And we need to act like it and live like it. So, you know, many of us have that problem. And, you know, we, and a lot of us have a hard time saying that, that we are guilty in those areas. As I mentioned before, who, who likes to be told they're wrong? But when God tells you you're wrong, of course he's right, right? We are the ones who's wrong. If we're reading through God's scripture, the Holy Spirit tells you, you are a fool because you're a sinner. Don't get mad at God's word. Get mad at your sin nature and then fix it. You know, um, one of the things on, on Wednesdays for the junior highs, we're going through 
the book of Exodus. We started in Genesis like four years ago. We're in Exodus finally. And um, we're going through a lot of the, the detailed laws about how uh, God's children need to live. And there's, there's like random stuff like if your goat falls in a hole, what do you do? Kind of thing. Or if your neighbor's goat, you know. But the, the common denominator of all those different detailed laws of what God is telling Moses to tell the people is how you can show love to people because they were not showing love to each other. You know, God's main focus through his whole entire word he gives us is how we can learn to love like God. He shows us that he loves us tremendously and then we need to take that same love and show other people. And like I said probably 20 times now, (laughs) if we're so focused on us being right, even though we could be wrong, even if we are right, the whole focus is love. we, We share with people the gospel because we want to show them love so they can have the same love with God that we do. And if we're so focused on other stuff, we're missing the main point. The main point is Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. May you teach us in so many ways through your scripture that we need to have you as a leader of our lives. God, we let, we let our sin nature have control so often of ourselves. We let, we let sin depict who we are and we can't be doing that. God, we need to own up to our sin to take responsibility when we're wrong. When we see your word, when we see that your Holy Spirit's telling us that we are wrong, we need to change. We need to listen to you and not, not find some other group that agrees with our sin, but agree with you, the leader of our life. 